and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast for another week. It's going to be a cosy little short show this week because it's just me and John here. John, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much, Graham. How are you doing this week? I'm not doing too badly at all. It's Bank Holiday Monday as we record this. And uh, it turns out John and I are the only ones who don't have social lives going on. Um, so Rachel and Claire are off, hopefully doing something uh, more fun than talking to us. If Can you imagine a thing more fun than talking to us, John? There is absolutely nothing in the world that's more <laughs> fun than this, Graham. <laughs> How's your bank holiday weekend been? Uh, I had no idea it was a bank holiday. That's how my bank holiday <laughs> is. it? Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope you're all having a good one out there. Yeah, I did uh, 10 hours of, of work today, so that's how my bank holiday <laughs> yeah. Monday's been. But on the bright side, at least it's not been raining. Last week was mostly raining, and that was pretty miserable. Uh, it's one of the joys of being a gardener is that once you get soaked one day, it's really hard to not get soaked very quickly the next day. Um, so I'm quite happy to just have the sunshine. I'll take that. We- how um, how bad does the weather have to be for you to not work? Oh, not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I can see rain clouds on the horizon, I'm like, well, that's me done. No, it, it really does. And that's a, a random question to ask, but um, it really does vary because... Getting soaked is miserable, unsurprisingly, um, and it also there's just a lot of stuff. Where if if I'm doing work where I have to go on the soil to do my gardening, then it's just a bad idea because you end up making mess everywhere. So yeah, so you have you do what's the soil? Get on, you know, from walking on the soil to get to places to do stuff to weed. I thought, or whatever. I thought it was like some technical term. I thought it was like goil the soil. Uh, yeah, if you're goiling the soil. Um, so no, generally, if it starts getting really miserable, I tend to go home because there's just not much point because you end up making yeah. more mess than you do, and it's always frustrating when that happens because you think. Well, I can't do anything else when it's like this either. You think, well, I could go out and take some pictures, but ah, taking pictures, uh, taking pictures in the rain. Let's talk about that because that's actually photography related. It's always a good idea to swing <laughs> around to that point at some point. Uh, is that a thing that you do? Will you go out with a camera when it's wet? Um, I haven't done it in a long time. Um, it's quite enjoyable. But yeah, I suppose it's more indoor photography, like maybe like studios or portraits or something when mm. it's raining. Yeah, is it's a shame because you can get the light is interesting, especially if the weather is really quite foul. The light is really quite interesting when it's piddling down with rain. It's always mm-hmm. the problem is, of course, keeping your equipment, if not dry, even if it's equipment that can get wet, it's keeping the lens clear. That's where the real problem occurs. Because um, I know when I went out to AIDS photo walk back in January, the weather that night was pretty horrible. And I had a waterproof camera with me. I had a little Canon Shawshot A1. And um, so I wasn't worried about it getting wet. But the moment you start getting water on the lens, it just starts making a bit of a mess of things. Um, you could so. use that to effect, though, couldn't you? To I- in, like, enhance the rain. Well, I mean, yes, I suppose you could, but you don't have much control over that. Do you have any any of your cameras waterproof? Is your fancy Nikon waterproof? Uh, I, I assume it's like weather sealed, at least. Mm. I've got uh, one of those Nikonos. Is it Nikonos? Nikonos? Uh-huh. Um, underwater cameras, so I could take that out in the rain. Have you um, done Have you done much underwater shooting with it? Uh, not underwater. I've taken it in the sea and in a river a couple of times um but not actually kind of done any diving with it 
I've done, did I do some snorkeling with it? I think I've done a bit of snorkeling with it. I can't remember. Oh, sounds like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Maybe you need to be brave next yeah. time and stick your head underneath the water, seeing as it is <laughs> an underwater camera. Um, we thought we would just have a quick catch-up this week. So we haven't got a guest, uh, obviously. <laughs> it would be weird if we did and we just hadn't introduced them. And also, in case anybody's wondering, which clearly they aren't, because they've not got in touch about it, why uh, no backing paper? I know when we started talking about the changes we were going to make, we did say that we were going to go down to every other week with backing paper. Um, but <laughs> nobody's been sending any emails in. So that's fine. Uh, it's not a problem at all. But that's why we've not had any backing papers, because a backing paper with no emails is like a pancake with no eggs. It's not a very good pancake. <laughs> <laughs> Can some people please send in some emails? Because the more emails there are, the less time I have to talk to Graham for. So that would be great. Thanks. Um, we have got a couple of guests we want to talk about later. But first off, um, you've been up to some fun stuff lately over this last week, haven't you, John? So I want to catch up with what yeah. you've been doing. Uh, I've had a, a fun, packed few days. Actually, I went out with the Camerodactyl OG, uh, went into Coventry, my friend Tara, and she filmed me walking around town, taking some photos with that. Um, and it was great. I haven't used large format in ages. So to use that and then come back and develop them and actually see some large format negatives was was fantastic because it's, it's been a while. Do you want to talk about what the OG is? Because um, some folks might not be familiar with it. The OG is a handheld uh, large format camera. It has got a ground glass on the back, um, but I went with a very simple setup and just it's got like a little plastic viewfinder on the top. Um, and so you can't really see what you're getting in the frame and to focus with it, it's quite a primitive mechanism. Um, so it's all manual. It's like got distances on it. So you kind of estimate the distance away from the camera and just, dial in the focus on that um yeah it's it's really it's really quite simple use of large format but that that's the beauty of it you know you're not setting up your tripod twiddling with the front and rear standards or anything it's just pick it up frame your shot and press the shutter mm. the, this the so this is made by ethan moses isn't it that's his yes. um because it's similar in use case to the uh, snapshot that I tried out early in the year, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> tasty water. Um, <laughs> Kramer, Steve Kramer has made a similar version, hasn't he? Which I think has got interchangeable front bits for different focal lengths. Is that right? Yeah, the the difference, uh, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think the, the main difference between the two is that um, with the OG, you tell Ethan what lens you're going to be using on it, and then he prints out a front cone specifically for that, so that it's at the right, right focal length, and then you have the helicoid to do the fine focusing. Is that right? Yes, that sounds right. And with the snapshot, um, it actually has bellows on the front and the distance is um, made by the uh, these spacer pegs that go in between. So you could swap those spacer pegs out quite easily. So if you've got a couple of lenses you want to use, all you have to do is use different length spacer pegs. Um, so that's the difference really between the two is one's got okay. these a fixed cone, one's got bellows. Um, but other than that, functionally, I think they're both... 
pretty much identical in terms of what they do and what they use them for. Um, you said that you had markings on yours for the um, distance focusing. Is that something that mm -hmm. you did yourself? Uh, I estimated... Oh, no, sorry. I didn't put the markings on. It's um, They come etched into it. Oh, really? Yeah. So yes. on the actual helicoid itself? Yeah. It's, it's um, I, th I assume it's 3D printed as well, but it's like a corkscrew that you just rotate the front on and okay. it just moves the lens further away or closer to the, the negative plane. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm. It's... um. Yes, like I, I'm, I'm, conf I might be conflating here. I don't think I am, but um, the um, I know certainly with the um, when I was using Graham Young's uh, Kraken camera, which is another one where you fit a large format lens onto a um, plastic built body. Um, this one is a six by twelve rather than a four by five. But I know with that one, I had to do some experimentation with it with the back off so I could kind of see where the lens was for focusing it and work out the focal distances from that and mark off on that but um, I suppose if Ethan because I think with quite a lot of those he had the lenses or had access to the lenses himself so he could obviously mark off where it needs to be um, to work but yeah the large format lenses come in fairly standard focal lens as well don't they so I expect he's, he's got a bank of different designs for different focal lengths yeah yeah um how did the results turn out pretty good actually um the the hardest part was framing them because it's not an optical viewfinder um I, i've really struggled to know exactly where the edges of the frame were was it one of those audio viewfinders yes it is yeah. <laughs> you put your ear up to it i'm trying to hear where this picture is you use it like a bat. You shout through it and you just wait for the reflections to come back. Is that how you, <laughs> is that how you use a bat? <laughs> That's how bats detect things, isn't it? Through sonar. What lens were you using on it then? <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on. <laughs> moving on. Um, it's, a, it's not mine. It's um, Hamish's has lent it to me for a while. It's a 90mm lens. Oh, so quite good and wide then. Yeah, it's like... And I always stood back a bit further just in case because the negative is so big, you've got plenty to play with if if it's like you've gone a bit wide with it um, to be able to crop in. So I always just moved back a bit just to make sure everything was in. And like nothing was straight as well. So my horizontal lines weren't straight at all. Mm. Um, but it's fine. Just crop in a bit and, and straighten it off. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the first time you've had a significant playtime with it? Yes. Yeah. So the first time I saw it was when uh, Hamish came up here last year and he used that camera um, when we were out and about. So I saw it then, but I didn't, I didn't have a go with it. So it was good to have a, a good few hours with it. Mm -hmm. And what's your take on it? I mean, you know, it, it's a 3D printed um, camera. What was your general feeling on using it? I mean, it, this is Hamish's, as you said, you've swiped it. Um, is this something you might look into getting for yourself uh, might look into not giving back to him um yeah, yes <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's it's a different usage like for going I'd, i wish i had more confidence to do more street portraiture because i think it would be fantastic for that um 
I just wasn't feeling it on Saturday at all. Like when you're walking around with somebody filming you and you've got, you're all mic'd up as well. Um, it felt, I didn't have the confidence to go up to people and, and take, ask to take photos. Uh, but I think that would be a really good use case for it. Um, like it's still got the ground glass on it. So you can put it on a tripod and actually set your framing and do proper focusing. So I think it's, it's just, if you don't want to do any, tilt and shift and rise and fall and any of that then it's exactly that's the sort of camera i'd go for yeah yeah and what about the build quality and stuff like that uh it seems pretty sturdy you know it's i haven't tried dropping it <laughs> oh <so>. you should <laughs> <laughs> i haven't done a drop test with it <laughs> no it seems like, like the the back of it um is held on with bungee cords so to get the um holder in it's quite it's really stiff it's quite it's quite tricky to get in but that does mean it's held in securely so you don't get any light leaks yeah um but yeah it's it's rock that sounds good i can't remember because i know we'd hoped to meet up because this was around photography show time we'd hoped to meet up um when i had the snapshot have you seen or had your hands on one of um, steve's snapshots I have not had my hands on Steve's snapshot, no. Um, but you, you're going to go and see him soon, hopefully, aren't you? So, um, yeah, you can, you can hope, check hopefully. It out then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you have you got one? No, I you... haven't. I, I just borrowed it for a while. I had fun with oh, it. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the, the feeling I had after using it was everything that you said about the OG, I think, is absolutely true. I mean, they're, they're doing the same job. They're two different approaches to solving the same use case problem. Um, and the feeling that I came away with afterwards that the snapshot does that brilliantly, it works really well for that, uh, and it's a really capable tool, but that's not particularly the way that I want to engage with large format. Um, mm-hmm. when, I'm, when I'm in the frame of mind to go out and shoot large format, I want to be dealing with all of that faff. That's kind of the process is part of it for me. It's not so mm-hmm. much the end result, the large neg, all of that. It's more, no, I want to go and use these cameras and have this experience. I talked about it recently when I went out and met up with Alex um, and we went out and you know, he had his Intrepid and I had my Carbon Adventurer. And I just enjoy doing that. And um, I, I had fun with the snapshot but it it wasn't fulfilling that part of the experience for me so um and i think for larger not for but for if i want big negs and that kind of format in some ways the the kraken um is almost more appealing in a way just because you got that different um format you know 6x12 mm-hmm. is a very different format um, so I think if I w- so for large format for me, I think I'd rather stick with things like the Intrepid or the Carbon Adventure or you know Steve's yeah. other Chromas. Um, and yeah, if I'm going to grab something that's more like the Snapshot and the OG, then it probably would be the Kraken because of that difference. And again, the Kraken it's a it's a well made thing. These I. I feel a bit like sometimes you, it's easy to say, oh, these things are 3D printed and I still have this kind of like, oh, it's probably a bit plasticky. I mean, they're obviously plastic, um, but this idea of not being terribly robust, but they're, they're good. <laughs> the stuff that's oh, yeah, it's is... absolutely, 
Yeah, it's absolutely fine. It, I've never thought, oh, this is, it doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like it's a toy. It's like, actually, wow, it feels fun. Mm. Um, but yeah, you, you don't think, you don't think it's rubbish. You know, it's, no. It's no. perfect. It's good build quality. Yeah, and they're not super expensive and they're lightweight and it's easy to chuck in your bag. I know um, Matthew's got one. I know he's had fun with his uh, because it is something you can just go, okay, I, I want to go out. I want to shoot some large format. I want to do some stuff. And then, all right, you, whilst you haven't got uh, the movements and all that stuff, but you have still got all of the other benefits of shooting large format. Things like the fact that um, you're not committed to a role. You can shoot one mm-hmm. frame take it out and develop it or if you're being experimental you can muck around with double exposures and triple exposures and all of these different things far more easily and there's so many things that you can do with large format much more easily than you can do with a roll film um because yeah just- i managed there, there is one danger to them though and that is i got through nine sheets in about two hours oh really that's ne- great I, I, well i'd never get through that many if i was using my chroma because like the the process of, like say, taking your time over it massively reduces how many frames you take, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so when you're just like literally whipping the the uh, the holder out, flipping it over, taking the dark side, you just you it is a snapshot affair. Mm. So you, you're just ragging through your frames. So it's pretty expensive. What were you shooting in it? Uh, HP five and Foma one hundred. Yeah, I mean HP well. But- H- I pushed the FOMA to 1,000 because it's because it's all handheld. <laughs> I needed to get decent shutter rates for that. Like some of the stuff I shot was in shadow. Uh-huh. So yeah, I had, to, I had to push it to 1,000 and I'd used up all the HP5 by that point. <laughs> right, okay. I was, was going to ask why it was the FOMA that you pushed to 1,000 because that seems a little bit... You know, they look fantastic though. I was... I'm really surprised with how good they are. And also the Foma panel was like, it's like four years old. Mm. So I wasn't expecting much at all, but I'm really pleased with them. What did you develop it in? Uh, ID11. ID11. Okay. I think I need to, it's, what's ID11 like? Cause I get a bit confused because I know that the different brands have different chemicals, but there's sort of some, they're, they're different takes on the same thing sometimes. So, what's a, what's the Kodak equivalent of ID11? Uh, D76, I think, is okay. is the same. Um, it's it's a powder developer that you mix up, and I buy it in five liter batches. So mm-hmm. it's like it's it's twelve pound, fifteen pound, I want to say, for five liters, and you then dilute that down. So like I generally use it one plus one. So I've got ten liters of developer for fifteen quid. Um, That's pretty good. And you can—I I generally use it one shot, but you can reuse it as well just by increasing your times at like ten percent every time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very economical and it works on a broad range of films. So yeah. I'm 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 happy with that. Oh yeah, I might have to try that one out. I've been i'm not gonna say stuck in the rut because i'm quite happy with it but i've been um pretty much solely using hc110 for i don't know well over a year now because i bought a bottle well over a year ago and it takes me a long time to get through it certainly it was long enough ago that it was still the gloopy syrupy hc110 as opposed to uh, i understand now that it's a little bit more fluid um but i have got some um God, what it? it's some of the tetanol ones so i've got some paranol 
Paranol, I think. I don't know. I I've think, never used the technical ones. Um, so I think Paranol or Paradol or Paracetamol. Um, <laughs> Paranoid. I think, yeah, people say I'm Paranol. Um, it is Tetanol's version of Rodinol. I think that's what mm-hmm. it is. Um, and I've also got some Ultrafine or Ultrafin. Um because the local place was just selling them off like half price. Well, I'm going to grab some, but I, I just haven't used them yet, and I really should because I, a few people have said, oh, Foma is not great in HC110. I mean, it seems all right, but I probably ought to try it in one of these other ones that I've got just sitting there. Um, but <laughs> fear of the new, isn't it? I just haven't tried using any of these <laughs> new ones yet. So, um, I I remember years ago trying out loads of different developers, and I just wanted a solution that worked for like for everything that I was doing. And that ID11 or D76 is just such a standard developer for. It's just it's it's cheap, you know, and it it works on everything. I use um, Microfen as well for if I'm really pushing stuff. Um, but I've shot HP five at sixty four hundred in that, um, maybe even higher. An FP four, a person use Microfen for that. Mm. But yeah, it's, I I don't know. I I don't know how much difference there is for standard use you know if you're scanning your negatives i don't think there's a huge difference between different developers yeah um okay. I, i've never I've, I've never seen i think it's there's so many variations i don't think anyone's ever done a proper test of different loads of different films and loads of different developers to actually compare and contrast them all the problem with any and it's i mean people do do comparisons don't they they'll shoot different stuff and they'll try different stuff but with any one of these comparisons their um their value is limited because no two people have exactly the same situation so mm-hmm. you could you could um see a blog post where somebody goes i've used this film i've used it in this developer at this temperature and this developer at this temperature and these are the results i've got and you can look at it and go okay well i'm going to try and do exactly that at home but you're not using the same water so that's already changing things quite drastically so in some cases you know there can be quite a difference in the acidity between you know and there's so many things that can affect these so i think their value is limited as you were saying and fundamentally and fundamentally the scan as well you know it's like you can easily say oh this this developer has made these images a lot more contrasty it's like well how are you how are you digitizing your images because i can guarantee that's having a larger effect than the developer is Yes, and what screen am I looking at this on? And even yeah. if you're looking at a print, how have you printed it? Um, yeah. I do think that the yes, the ultimate lesson to learn is find your own pathway through these. Do you take yeah. you can? It's great to take pointers from the internet. Um, and if people go, oh, this works better for this, and you know, a few people say the same thing, then it definitely points to a direction to trek out, trek out, check out. But ultimately, I think yeah, you have to find what works for you with any of these things. And I think that's why I find eight. C110 works well enough for me for most things. Um, and uh, yeah. In HC110, you have to measure that out in quite um, precise, small doses. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I suppose, if I'm doing a um, uh, 500ml thing, then I'm generally using about 15, 16 mils of the chemical. Um, 
so yeah not a lot and because it's quite gloopy the one that i've got it's a bit awkward to mix up but it's definitely not difficult and if i'm using it at that quantity i remember reading something ages ago where um essentially for every roll of film you need uh six mils of the developer so if i develop one roll of something um in this 500 mils then i can then reuse it again for another one because there's still mm -hmm. six mils of unused developer in my head so yeah. that's kind of the way that i approach that so i will reuse that i won't keep it hanging around if it's the next day i might keep it till then if i'm not going to do some more developing then but um yeah otherwise but yeah it's good stuff though like i said it's just a good all-round one and particularly as quite a lot of the film that i have kicking around is older hc110 is quite good at controlling fog in older films it's got something in oh, there okay. that i can never remember but it's the one that people go oh use this if you're shooting older film um getting back to the point you were making john about the fact that you shot a lot more um than you would have done if you'd been out with your chroma mm -hmm. as you look at the pictures i mean do you look at them and go well, i wish i hadn't taken so many <laughs> or are you pleased with the pictures <laughs> you got from it uh i am i'm pleased with over 50 percent of them uh, one of them I really wish I had my chroma for, so I'm now going to go back and shoot that properly. Mm -hmm. um, so in, like, I guess as a tool like that, it's quite useful because you, you do get a completely different look on large format. So it's very like you could say, well, I'll just go out and shoot 35 mil. And if anything looks interesting in that, I, I can go and reshoot it large format. But you don't know until you've seen it large format if it's going to have that appeal to it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased I did it. Yeah. Um, and I'd definitely use it again. But, I'd, hmm. yeah, like I say, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, but foam was not expensive film, though. Oh, I, yeah, foam was not. I'd, I could see myself getting a box of foam and just blitzing a load of it, actually, in the OG. Yeah. I think that's the way to go, to be honest. I think, especially whilst you're getting used to a new camera, I think picking up a cheat film um, like the... Well, I think in this country, FOMA is the kind of go-to cheat film. I know it. I can't yeah. remember what... We heard from somebody the other week, and I can't remember what film it was, but I know that they said that it's so cheap. It's cheaper than quite a lot of 35mm films are per frame. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it, that's what I tend to do. It, it is just, okay, FOMA go practice have fun um and yeah as you said you get a different look the um because the peril is if you've got a, a full source um large format camera that you're going to feel the need to use what's there what it can do even if you don't mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean i tried to i i tried to constrain myself but that said i developed some film it was Rachel's dev party, not this weekend just gone, but the weekend before that. And I, I took part in that because it's always a good time. Um, really nice to see what everybody else is doing and just catch up with people whilst they're doing developing. And I think I developed the roller film whilst we were doing that. But as I said, it's HG110. So afterwards, I used it to develop uh, the negatives that I shot whilst I was out with Alex, which are still hanging up because, as I mentioned when Hamish was on, I can't be bothered to digitise these. In fact, <laughs> the pictures that I had hanging up when we spoke to Hamish, I just, I put them away. I've just put them in some folder somewhere without even getting as far as digitising them. Um, so that's not great. Um, but I was looking at these ones that I developed and I could see that I, I think because I was um, 
taking pictures of stuff that wasn't particularly inspiring me. I wanted to be there and I wanted to take pictures, but it was in this Cotswoldy village and its church and stuff like that. So I was mucking around with the movements there. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. When you've got them there, you're going to... <laughs> you know like, okay well i'm going to see if i can you know throw this out completely and um and and i did get a bit of ghost alex as well i don't know i could see it on the negative i could see his little ghost walking across the frame um how well that will come out once it's uh actually digitized i don't know but um yeah large and that, format, that was but... intentional yes yeah i, I made okay. alex i think i talked about this i can't remember where uh, but um so I was taking a picture, looking up to this church. I was using my 75mm lens, so good and wide. I think it's the widest lens I've got full stop for anything. And I said to Alex, okay, what I want you to do, Alex, is I'm going to make a multiple exposure. So I want you to kind of walk across the film, and I'll take four shots of you going across. Um, mm -hmm. But he was wearing quite dark clothing, and he <laughs> refused, refused to wear... <laughs> my dark cloth as a cape because my dark cloth is quite light, <laughs> light. and he's like no I thought, I thought you were going to say he refused to take his t-shirt off and he also refused that he did also refuse that because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would have been beacon like in its brightness <laughs> <laughs> I got stung to the, can you believe I got stung on my back to the, this is not related but I got stung I got a wasp under my t-shirt again that's the second oh, time this year no. Uh, and as if that wasn't bad enough, as the wasp, it stung me on my back. And as it was trying to clearly make its break for freedom, it stung me on the chin as well. Like, as a passing <laughs> nuts to you as it left. Like, well, thanks, wasp. And only earlier in the day had I been standing up for wasps. Wasps, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just goes to show. So you got, have you got, like, a big Jimmy Hill chin now, then? No, fortunately, it doesn't seem to be hurting at the moment. <laughs> Famous last one. It seems to be all right at the moment. Um... But yeah, uh, I can't remember where we're going with that. But um, okay, uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, <laughs> moving moving on from my wasp stone face. Um, so the what was the point of you going out with a video uh, or being videoed with the OG? Uh, so what? Oh, uh, this is going on Thursday, isn't it? So on Tuesday, uh, I did, or I am doing, and it was great. Live, it was fantastic. A live broadcast for Dark Shed Live on my YouTube channel. And this is just part of it. So I've just done a pre-recorded experiment with the OG um, to show some images. And then I've also got a pixelator as well um, for the stream. Done a, I'm do, <laughs> I've done a test with that where I've timed um, digitizing a roll of film using the pixelator versus scanning it on my scanner and i'm running those two videos next to each other to see which one's quickest okay well as this video has already happened and gone out spoilers come on, come on how which was quicker <laughs> i'm not going to spoil it you have to watch the video <laughs> <laughs> you ask you ask for a lot my favorite thing about the show that that happened on tuesday that hasn't gone out yet <laughs> is that part we did the massive giveaway i can't believe the prizes you had on that which one I know. I, I, <laughs> a car. Who would have thought you'd have been giving away a car on your street? <laughs> that might not be true. It's ridiculous, this, isn't it? <laughs> that might not be true. But hopefully, and um, yeah, we're going to say hopefully because technology can um, mess this up, but you did have, you did will have some special guests, right? Yeah, I had Hamish and Steve as well came onto the show. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you didn't. In which case, yeah. Unless they weren't there. In which case, Skype didn't work, or Hamish forgot. <laughs> yeah, both equally possible in this world. Uh, okay, so you've done that. So, 
have you also videoed the bit where you you said you have videoed the bit when you were using the pixelator? Yeah. yeah. So when we spoke to Hamish, obviously we got all of his blah, all this sales blah, which was great. We love Hamish. Um, he's not here now. <laughs> so. <laughs> so he can have, still hear us though, Graham. <laughs> oh, yeah, Hamish doesn't listen. Um, so. <laughs> What are your honest feelings about the Pixelator based on your experiences? And did you manage to break it? Uh, I haven't broken it. Um, it's uh, surprisingly robust. Um, I So I haven't done a quality comparison yet. I've literally just done it to compare the speed because this, the thing is I've got a scanner set up permanently, right? So it's very easy for me to just set up the scans and walk away from it and let it scan. What scan is um, it you've got, John? What scanner? I've got the Epson V750 Pro. Oh. Okay. So that that can handle up to large formats. Someone's um, doing all right. <laughs> I bought it years ago. It's a, I'm, I'm so glad I did because it's just, it's a great scanner. Um, but I do have problems with the holders. The holders for a NAF and I've actually mm-hmm. broken the, the 35mm ones. So the film isn't particularly flat and I'm always a little concerned that the sharpness <laughs> in the lack of sharpness in the negatives isn't is the scanner's fault and not my fault when taking mm, the photos mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah me too so i'm i'm really interested in the quality comparison between the pixelator the the problem i've got is that the camera the digitizing camera my nikon d800 and the tripod i would use for digitizing I use that for photography. Um, so it involves setting it up every time yeah. to scan images. Yeah. So I've got to factor that in to how long it would take me to digitize everything. Um, now, if the quality is better and the images are sharper, it makes me consider that I'd get a copy stand and have that permanently set up so I could just rig up the camera, focus it, and I'd be good to go. Um, so I've got to do those tests yet. But speed-wise... It's it, it it it's faster, but spoiled <laughs> it. <laughs> but I have to spend that time in front of the computer, like pressing, like and moving the film along. So I'm I'm tied to it. Whereas using the flatbed scanner, the only time is loading the film in, and then I can walk away. Yes, you know, and do do other things while it's scanning. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out when I do some quality tests with it, and whether it's going to be worth doing it. Sure, because with the 750, you can scan 24 frames of 35 mil at a time. Yes, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Um, or, or how much? Lo- because I, I've not, I've not seen the um, 35 mil holder for those. How much uh, medium format can you do? Because the medium format holder on my old 500, you can only do two frames of um, six by six at a time. How many can you do on yours at a time? Uh, I think I can do four six by sevens. Okay, I think it is, and it might it might be six six by sixes. Yeah, that's pretty um, good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It is. yeah and two, that convenience goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, it does. But like I say, if, if the quality's better through through the the, um, the camera, then I might go down that route. Yeah, um, but we'll see. I suppose it can be a horses for courses thing. If you've got you've got it there now, if there's a frame that you know you want to be as good as you can get it for a particular mm-hmm. purpose, if you've got something coming up, it's an, or an exhibition or a 
publication or something like that that you want to have a very good file for it and you're not going to make a print from it um then you've got that option um yeah and um did you you obviously i'm assuming you had a go at doing your four by five from the og uh no i didn't i, I just did that on the flatbed because the setup i've got at the moment are just using extension tubes and an enlarger lens with the pixelator so i've only tried it on 35 mil at the moment um what uh, adapter are you using? So you got Nikon extension tubes, yeah? I've got yeah, I've got two extension tubes. I don't know what the total is, and then I've got a screw mount. Is it M thirty nine screw mount for the enlarger lens? Okay, so that's the size you need for enlarger lenses. And then um, I know you, it you... depends on the focal length of the enlarger lens. I think you need a larger one for. No, that, the, the, the thread is... can't change. That's insane. You're talking. <laughs> Otherwise, you need a different thread for each. So, no, it must be the same. It must be the same thread mount because you you know you swap out I the don't... enlarged lens on your enlarger, don't you? Oh, uh, not like so. On my enlarger, I have a plate that the lens screws into, and they're different size holes for different for um, large format four by five. Okay, well, you, yes, yours goes up to large format. You have to be a bit more special, don't you? He's got his 750 yep. Pro, he's got his large format. <laughs> um, well, uh, for me, a plebes like me, um, I know that certainly for my 35mm and um, 120, it's definitely the same, which I'm guessing mm-hmm. is the 39, um, M39. Is that what you said, M39? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Okay, I need to get me one of those then. Um, so what lens are you using on it? For What did you use? It's the, uh, what make is it? Componon S Schneider. Mm-hmm. 50, uh, what is it? 50 mil, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. 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 As you said, when we had Hamish on, you can pick up enlarging lenses like that pretty cheaply. You can get a, a pretty yeah, good enlarging can, yeah. lens for like 60 quid, can't you? Yeah. I've actually, it hasn't arrived yet, but I've got, um, a reversal mount on the way because apparently if you reverse mount it you can get even better quality i think i suppose that, that makes, makes sense. sense that's i mean i guess that's the way that normally the image would be shining through the lens isn't it the way that yeah. you're shooting it is backwards because it's as if if you were using it on your enlarger as if the print was shining up through the so yeah, yeah that makes more sense okay that's cool but so you- yeah to be continued um and in terms of like just the usability of the pixelator uh fiddly not fiddly um, no that's as you know small formats are going to be the most fiddly to use i would think uh, initially yeah i was i was a bit frustrated with it actually i was like this this is rubbish like why am i <laughs> going to spend my time doing it? it's just like it's just <laughs> it's the same isn't it when you you first start to do something it's just like this is compared to putting it in a flatbed scanner um but after a while, it's like, actually, you get into a little routine with it. And the time that I recorded was the first time I'd ever done it. And I think I could probably get that down to like two thirds of the time. Mm-hmm. Because I've got, now I've got more experience with it. Um, and I had my camera tethered to my computer. So there was no copying files off the SD card or anything. It's just like I can fully integrate it into the workflow. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty slick process once you get going with it. So is it a case of you, you get it all set up, you've got your first frame showing in the little, you know, between the spaces, um, mm-hmm. take a shot, pull it through, or do you have to loosen things off before you pull it through, or can you just kind of keep pulling? 
<laughs> I think you probably can pull it through, but <clears throat> it's advisable not to because yeah. you might scratch it. So yeah, you kind sure. of you unclip it very slightly, pull it through, line it up, clip it back down again, and then yeah, just fire off the next shot. Like fo- focusing, I found very difficult with the setup I've got. Um, so again, a copy stand I think is would be an essential purchase if this is the route I'm going to go down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how long did it take you? Do, you? do you know how long it took you to do one thirty-five mil roll? Uh, I think it was about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, um, which is quite a long time. That, seems, that seems like you might be the problem with that. So <laughs> I'm not going to yeah, and Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think next time I'd probably get it down to 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and you minutes. said you haven't done a direct quality comparison, but how how did it like from the ones you took with the setup you've got what's your feelings on them just without being super careful about it um one of one of the images i did actually compare and it was a lot sharper yeah. out of the camera um and like surprisingly so i was like well that, that is massively different um and then one of them just looked terrible through the camera. And like the problem is I had no idea that I must have like nudged the pixelator or something so it's slightly out of focus. Um because I've had to create a frame on the light pad that I've got so there's no extra light poking out. So I must have had it resting on the mount card that I'd right. put down. Um but as you're going through, obviously you're not inspecting every frame closely because I was just like, right, I want to do this as quickly as possible. But again, like if I were to do this permanently, I would have a better setup for that. Um, so hopefully those those problems wouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as you said, it's one of those things, if you've got it all set up and, and I mean, you've got the space in the dark shed that you could at least get it set up there if you <laughs> get your room if nothing yeah. else. Um, <laughs> Not really. No, you do fill that with a lot of crap. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I'd, I'd make space. I'd, yeah, like, I'd, I'd be I'd be getting rid of the flatbed scanner if I was doing it permanently. So that would. Oh yeah, you, yeah. You've already said you're going to give that to me, haven't you? So that'd be nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's cool. So um, anybody who wants, to, although you did the actual show on Tuesday, people can go back now and watch it. Um, yes. And regardless of what disasters went on live, we do know that at least the videos are there, so for sound, so they'll be good. <laughs> See you wandering around Coventry taking pictures. <laughs> well, I'm going to do. I'll broadcast a short version of the OG thing on Tuesday, or I did, and then I've got a full 20, 25 minute version to uh, to upload at a later date as well. So yeah, oh, awesome. come and check that out. Awesome. That sounds grand. That sounds grand. Well, you've been up to far more than me. Uh, I'm getting ready uh, on the subject of large format. I'm kind of getting ready. I'm going away for a few days this week. Um, I think three in total. Um, going down to Devon to visit my boys and I am hoping, boy am I hoping, that on one of those days I can escape for a bit, maybe with them, who knows, uh, and go and walk some of the coast path because they live right down on the coast. And um, so I'm hoping to go and walk some of the path there and take my uh, carbon adventure with me um, and take some pictures and (laughs) record some audio. (laughs) because otherwise I'm not going to have a show for next week and I'm going to be in trouble. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I need to get my film holder sorted out and get everything sorted for that. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I do have a lot of fun when I head out with that camera. Um, I might take another does camera that, with me. 
there's that that um, massive waterfall, isn't there? Yes, because we were looking, you and I were looking at this, and yeah, there's one not far away from there. So um, I'm trying to persuade my boys to come with me. And normally when I say, oh, come on, we'll go and I'll take some pictures, they're like, oh, God. But at least this way they know that if I'm taking large format, it means that they're going to get to stop and rest regularly for (laughs) prolonged periods. Um, So, yeah, that's the plan. I'm looking forward to that. but yeah, other than that, I've not been up to that much. Um, as I mentioned, I got a couple of got the roll of film developed. Finally, I got a roll of film developed from when we did the photo walks. I've been showing a few of those pictures, um, and I got another roll of film. My first roll of Berger that uh, I got done. Um, that's nice, nice film. That Berger, Berger. How do you say that, John? Burger. Burger. <laughs> yep. Figures. Yeah, that's nice. I, I I like that film. The only thing I don't like about it, and this might just be my role, might be how long it spent sat in the Bronica's back. It was really sproingy, a real pain in the neck to get scanned, um, trying to get pinned down. But uh, it's a nice film, so um, that was good. Um, so yeah, that is one thing. One thing I've noticed about the Pixelator is the film is very flat in it. Yeah, it's yeah, just the way it clips down. I think that's. That's obviously key to getting nice sharp scans, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it does seem. I, I, I am going to get one. I need something to make four by five more bearable. Um, but the problem that I have is exactly the problem that you described, which is I will have to set it up every time, and that means getting the tripod out, getting everything out, and it's just a faff. And although the pixelator will certainly remove a an aspect of that faff for me a significant aspect of that faff it will not solve all the problem of just not having space to be able to leave that out um but celery that's just one of those things right Uh, i know i mentioned at the beginning of the show there was something that i wanted to bring up um as anybody listening will know uh unless they don't um the photography show which we normally go to back in march boy were we looking forward to the photography show seems like such a long time ago uh was cancelled as was everything else for reasons that we all know only too well one of the unfortunate uh results that was the word i was grasping for one of the unfortunate results of this is that the disabled photographer society which is the um sponsored charity of the uh, photography show which we've always talked about in the past whenever we've been there because that's that stand is essentially a like catnip to <laughs> all of the analog photographers and getting them away from there is always a nightmare because what they do is the disabled photographers all through the year they're accepting donations of gear from people people are sending in stuff cameras um bags tripods trays all sorts of stuff but so much stuff and then for the uh, four days that the photography show is going on for they sell all of it um and so you just get these tables full of stuff it's pretty impressive isn't it john uh it's like i don't even like gear and i found myself drawn to it like a moth yeah, it's, it's uh, hilarious yeah, it's seeing how much stuff some people came back with. I remember one year Rachel came back with loads of stuff and Neil Piper's came back with bags full of stuff and um, yeah, loads of stuff there and it's really great. And obviously it's really important because that's their one and only big fundraising event for the year, which wasn't able to go ahead this year. So to try and 
get something back from it. Um, what they are doing. So the photography show uh, is having a virtual virtual um, photography thing going on on the... Let me see if I can find the right date for this. Uh, da, da, da. Um, now, I'm not sure... 20th it's... and the 21st of September. Okay. What was that? Sorry, John? 20th and the 21st of September, I think. 20th and the 21st of September. So as part of that and kind of around that, what they are doing is they are having a charity auction. Now, this is not for cameras. This is for something I think even better than um, cameras. This is for some absolutely gorgeous photographic prints. Um, so this is running from Friday the 18th uh, until 5 p.m. on Friday, the 25th of September, and you'll be. I'll read what it says here. You'll be able to bid on the prints by filling in a short film, short film, short form, um, and then uh, it will keep track of the bids. Uh, the highest bid will be updated at 4 p.m. each day, um, and obviously at the end of the day, the highest bidder will win these prints. Um, and these prints are fairly stunning, aren't they? You've seen these, haven't mm. you? Yeah, fantastic. Um, so a lot of them are by names I'm not familiar with, but maybe other people will. So we've got a print here by Nigel Harneman of a, a beautiful a colour print of some old motorbikes. Uh, Faye Yerbury, Tim Rudman, who I've banged on about a lot. Uh, beautiful print um, there. Uh, Charlie Waite, Sam Cornwell, who, of course, uh, most people listening to this will know. Sam the Solar Cam Man. Um, uh, John Claridge, cool picture of Tommy Cooper. Uh, Paul Hill, Claire Ackford, and our very own Rachel Bruce the Wright has got a print in the auction as well. Um, oops, somebody didn't put their phone on silent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the needle in the background. Um, so, yes, yeah, some really lovely prints um, that, uh, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording. I would gladly put pretty much all of these on my wall. They're stunning, aren't they? Do you have a particular favourite, John, actually, out of these ones? Oh, the Paul Hill. Man Against Snow is really stands out for me. Yes, yes, just a, just a, a very black and white picture. Of this man in his long, long black coat with a black hat walking away up the hill in this big snowbank and just dirty. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Um, anyway, what's yours? It's a great um, cause. Uh, the disabled photographers are a great bunch of guys doing fantastic work making photography a hobby that can be accessible to people no matter what situation they're in with regards to their disability. They do an awful lot. And um, yes, they've really lost out this year because of not being able to do the photography show. So please do go and check this out. You can find the information at thephotographyshow.com forward slash disabled dash photographers dash society dash charity dash auction. You know what? I'll put a link in the show notes. That might make life uh, easier. It's absolutely worth going and have a look, if only to see these beautiful prints. They really are lovely. Um, and hopefully they raise a lot of money doing this. Um, yeah, really, really lovely stuff and well worth anyone's time checking out. Just go and have a look at the prints, if nothing else. And also have a look at what else is going on um, with the exhibition and what's going on. I know that, as Duncan mentioned uh, when he was on the show last week, um, there is some analog related stuff going on um 
Uh, John, you might know slightly more about this than I do. I don't know, though. You might not. Um, <laughs> no, I don't, actually. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've deleted my Facebook account recently, so I'm, I think I'm out of the loop of what's going on at the moment. Well, anyway, I'm sure if you watch in particular what Hamish and Paul Mackay, uh, they will be talking about it and what's going on. I'm sure Sam's involved. I'm sure other people are involved as well. I would say Duncan is. So keep an eye on that. They're going to be doing something um, on a guess on the saturday is that the plan was that the plan <laughs> anyway uh, i think it's both days both we're, days we're pretty hopeless i'm afraid cool. but um watch the, those guys feed for what's going on with that um so that would be cool it's i think nice. if you uh, if you if you register for the show which is free then you'll be sent updates about the schedule and what's on as well across the whole whole virtual site yeah yeah, good plan. That seems like a better idea than relying on us for useless and half-assed information. <laughs> uh, the only other thing that I wanted to quickly remind people about, uh, there's a couple of things. First off, Cheap Shots Challenge. Don't forget, Cheap Shots Challenge is ongoing with the theme of music. Uh, have you started thinking about this yet, John? I know exactly what I'm going to do. Oh, but can, only can you tell us? I, are you allowed to not even use a camera for the cheap shots challenge i mean that sounds like a cheap way of doing it i will allow it it's yeah, very cheap absolutely. isn't it yeah. excellent right well, I, know, I know exactly what i'm going to do then but i'm not going to tell you oh god that's i i think the closest i've got to deciding what i'm going to do and and, and i haven't figured out the specifics yet but i think it's probably going to be based around the idea of trying to recreate an album cover i think that's the direction yes. i'm going to go in with it <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> if people would like to send in suggestions for what album, actually, maybe though, <laughs> I could try and try and re- um, redo the uh, Nevermind album cover with just me swimming. <laughs> oh, that'd be a deep and a euro. <laughs> a euro, yes. Uh, um, see, that's kind of what vague. was that? Um, was it the beloved with their song "Come Together," where it is a lot of naked people lying on the floor. You should recreate that. <laughs> Where it's just you, though. Just clone myself. Or or, or multiple exposures. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm a big Kate Bush fan. Maybe I'll have a look at some of the Kate Bush. I mean, you know, physically almost identical to her wavelength. Identical. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, I'm quite, you know, because there's there's some great album covers. I mean, obviously, um, uh, oh, come on, Bray. Who's... um, Will Eggleston, yeah, because um, he did, um, I don't know whether he deliberately did them as album covers or not, but certainly his some of his pictures have been used as album covers. Um, uh, oh, the band name is completely escaping me now, but I know that um, his, some of his pictures have been used in album covers, so that would be definitely one to check out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's been some amazing albums. The White Album by the Beatles, I might go with that one. <laughs> it's going to take a real close with my fridge. Um, so, yes, please don't forget about that. Uh, we would love to start seeing some pictures for that. And also, we've had uh, more entries, I'm very pleased to say, for the Too Sick, Too Spurious contest. Um, so, I'm going to say you probably got until... Saturday? Yeah, let's say until next Saturday, because hopefully we might try and deal with that next week then, um, to get in. So if you've... All you have to do is just send in your uh, failures, your pictures where things have gone wrong, but you still like the end result. Um, that was the whole kind of point of the too sick, too spurious uh, zine. So yes, if you've got something where maybe the film's not wound on properly, or maybe you popped the back open halfway through, or, or maybe you weren't shooting with Lubitel, maybe these things haven't happened to you. Um, 
or accidental double exposures or I don't know developing it in the wrong stuff or whatever it might have been um, but somehow the end result has been a delight to you that's exactly what we're looking for so send those into sunny16podcast at gmail.com and uh, as we have also asked I mean and you don't have to do this but if you've got an idea for what the title of their third zine could be so they had sick then too sick too spurious um, and now we're looking for a third and we've had a couple of good suggestions actually I'm quite liking a couple of these suggestions we've had so far so get those into us by next weekend if you can if you want to that would be lovely too and then I can go and find a home for these two zines that I've got sitting here waiting to go somewhere um and i think i think that's about it other than obviously to say i hope you've all had a chance to check out um the new sunny 16 presents feed john your your show was the first one up on there wasn't it yeah it was yeah your um, conversation i, I with hope Dan. people have liked it yeah please uh please get in touch if you uh with any thoughts or suggestions i've got a few other people lined up now which i need to get in touch with apologies if you're uh, you're on that list <laughs> do you, do you <laughs> know yeah, do you know who you're going to be talking to for your next one yet john has that been nailed down um i i don't want to say because we're just trying to arrange a time at the moment so but yes yeah hopefully yeah awesome stuff and uh, we had claire's uh movie show last week with jeff greenstein which was great um really enjoyable conversation i would love being part of that it was i just love being somewhere with people who are no far more about a thing than me which is most of my life admittedly um <laughs> this week hopefully we're going to have underexposed uh, a, a great twofer actually it's a converse two conversations rachel had one with um Shirley Laguerre, uh, which was what lovely as a fairly recent conversation and another one with our good friend Lucy Ridges which is an older conversation but there was some great stuff in there as well so we're sharing both of those hopefully that will also be out by the time you hear this and as well as that we've also had a couple of pieces now of uh, listener contributed audio which was of course a big part of the reason in fact that'll be the main part of the reason we set this up so we had um, Jeremy North and Edward Bick out shooting large format film which was great and especially made for us which i am truly grateful for um anthony uh, who is at dank spangle put together a great show explaining everything about how he goes about making trichromes anthony makes some really pretty um trichromes he's been doing a lot of uh flower trichromes just sort of um flower portraits and then making trichromes out of black and white film these lovely lovely color images from black and white film I really love the pictures that he makes with them and he goes through the technique at length from the shooting through the processing and the scanning and everything like that. Um, So yeah, well worth checking out. So there's some stuff on there. So please do go and check it out. It's on Podbean at Sunny 16 Presents or it is available now on iTunes and on all your podcatchers. It's popped up pretty much everywhere, I think, hasn't it, John? Has it um, gone to Google yet? Oh, I, uh, I'm not sure about Google. I will. We will chase up <laughs> Google. Google's a real pain in the neck. Um, <laughs> that's tonight's job. That's tonight's job. We'll try and get that figured out tonight for you. But yeah, please do. If you haven't already checked it out, go and have a listen. And hopefully next week I'll have my show go up. Although at the moment <laughs> it doesn't exist. So who knows? That might be the first that we've got so far. Um, John, other than just saying, please go and check out the Dark Shed, not live. Uh, is there anything else you've got going on at the moment? 
Uh, what else am I doing? I can't think at the moment. My head's gone blank. Oh, do you know what? I've the reason I'm going. I'm popping up to Liverpool and hopefully going to see Steve. Is I've also just made an eBay purchase of a <laughs> a uh, twenty by twenty four camera. <laughs> so, what? Uh, <laughs> Way to well, bury it's not, the lead. <laughs> it's not a, a cat. It's for it's a copy like camera set up for taking photos of prints and doing reproductions but i can totally use it as a 20 by 24 as well it's, it's enormous it's like 60 inches long oh, man. Um, so it's not portable but <laughs> if i can get it set up <laughs> i can, do, will, I can do put yeah i can do portraits with it i think so yeah that's the next adventure <laughs> oh that's fair and does it have a lens as well for it um, there's one in the photo. I don't. I, I have actually got a process lens that will cover twenty by twenty four already, so I can put that on. But there is one in the photo, so uh, oh, we'll man. see where that actually comes. I'm going to come it. and visit you real soon. We, we need to, <laughs> I need to see this. We need to. You need to take my beautiful, beautiful picture. If my, I've never been captured on twenty by twenty four before. I feel like that's really oh, going to capture man. the true me. <laughs> It's it'll be it's going to be paper negatives to start with. There's no way I can afford film that size. But, I look uh, best in paper. <laughs> you look best in the bin, Graham. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, look forward to that. I guess results incoming, hopefully yeah. soon. Uh, that's very exciting. Very exciting. Well, listeners, we will leave you now and get out of here. As we said, hope well. It's not quite sure. <laughs> Turns out John and I waffle quite a lot, but you know, we're gonna do. Um, please do write in to us at sunny sixteen podcast at gmail dot com. Let us know what you've been up to on your summer holidays. I know everyone's been away lately, but write in and let us know. We miss hearing from you guys. Uh, it's you know. So, so quiet here. <laughs> I'm still on lockdown, basically. I'm still not seeing anyone. Please write to us. It's all that keeps me going. Um, we will be back uh, later in the week with something, or next week. We'll be back We'll be back next week. Listen, we'll be back, guys. We'll be back. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.